This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the MLB Pipeline Podcast. I'm Jason Ratliff here with Jim Callis, and deadlines are looming. We come out of the draft and the Futures game, and we are met squarely by the trade deadline and the draft signing deadline. Those are going to be our two major focuses uh, on today's episode of the podcast. We're also going to talk about uh, the international draft that is not going to be happening. Major League Baseball and the Players Association had a deadline set was Monday and did not reach an agreement. So the international draft will not happen in this uh, under this collective bargaining agreement. Uh, we'll talk about what that means. We will preview some of the best minor league games of the week that are going to be on MLB.tv. And we will wrap up, as we always do, by answering a question from the mailbag. And we're going to be doing all of this without, as you may have noticed, Jonathan Mayo, who has left us high and dry. He, uh, he did the draft, did the Futures game, and then he's done. He's just cashed out, left, left Jim and myself here to go it alone. Jim, can we do this? We can, and, and I just want to go on record as saying that I believe the prospect content gods will smite Jonathan with several trades involving his teams as repercussions for him bailing on the podcast. I can only hope you're right. I can only hope you're right. Better him than me. Yeah, I, I hope mean, it's his teams and not my teams. <laughs> to this point, uh, we, we haven't really had any action. Um and I know you thought that maybe that had to do with the international draft situation not being settled yet and people waiting to find out how that was going to pan out. You, you think we're ready for a, a load of trades now that that, that has been settled? Yeah, I, I do. I mean, I think having the draft was even later this year. It was like a week later than last year. And then not knowing, like if I have a prospective free agent at the end of the year, am I going to have compensation for him? Because if I'm not, then I definitely want to trade him or, or so the thinking would go. Um, yeah, I, I thought once that we, we got to yesterday, which was the, the deadline that was imposed and there were no, there was no resolution, no, no, no international draft. I was like, okay, here we go. And I'm kind of surprised we're recording this at right now. I think it's what two Eastern on Tuesday. Um, I still am not keeping track of the days of the week since the draft and the flurry of signings since, but I, I think it's Tuesday. Um, I really thought we'd have at least a couple trades this morning because usually we've had trades by now and, and, and you know, we're, we're a week away from the deadline. So I, I have like this ominous feeling that we might have two, two and a half weeks worth of trades packed into seven days, which will really keep us scrambling if that does happen. Okay, what do you what do you want to do here, Jim? You want to start off with the big one that everyone's talking about. Everyone's waiting to see what's going to happen. Juan Soto, uh, you want to start off with that, or you you want to just talk about some teams that have the prospects to trade, contenders, buyers, if you will, that have prospects to trade. Which way do you want to go here? Choose your own adventure. Yeah, let's go Juan Soto first. I think everybody's curious. I mean, obviously, 
he doesn't have to be traded. They still have the Nationals have him under control for two and a half more years. But I think everybody is wondering: Is Juan Soto getting traded? And if you're a fan, is Juan Soto going to get traded to my favorite team? So let's let's explore Juan Soto first. Who, you know, I, I don't know if there's ever been a player, Jason, this young and this good. I mean, he's basically putting up Ted Williams early career numbers on the trade block before. So he, he's not going to come cheap. Yeah, I was just about to ask you, can you remember an instance like this one? And it sounds like the answer is no, where you did have a player. I mean, it's it's so unusual. He's, like you said, so young, 23 years old, has put up the numbers that he has, is drawing some uh, some speculation as to the talent that, that the Nationals could get in return here um, is, I, w- I would think, unparalleled. Um can you, can you think of any, what, what, are, what are some of the other biggest prospect trades that you can remember? I think we've, we've done a story on this, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, the, the biggest recent comp to him, to me, would be Miguel Cabrera, who I, I think was, was, what, 24 when he got traded? And, you know, Dontrell Willis was in the trade, and Andrew Miller and Cameron Maben, you know, were part of a big... Uh, a big deal, you know, big package. What was it like? Six players going to the to the to the Marlins, um, but that's probably the the, the biggest comp. And I found what I was looking for. So Joe Sheehan, who, who has a newsletter and he has a lot of insightful thoughts, he went back and looked. He was talking about Juan Soto in general. He said he's one of twenty players in baseball history who would have 20 baseball reference war and 150 batting running runs through his age 24 season. And that if, even if you expand it to through age 25, you can come up with two players who were traded in that group. And it was Babe Ruth and Miguel Cabrera. Um, so it's, it's pretty unprecedented. Um, and the, the thing is too, you theoretically, like let's say you're a smaller revenue club. We'll, we'll throw the Rays out there. Great farm system, perpetual contender, you know, are the you know are the Rays really going to be able to afford what Juan Soto's annual salary will be? But even if they're not, they could trade for him now, and then two years from now trade him and recoup, you know, prospects back at that point after having him contribute to at least two pennant races. So it, it's it's just fascinating. Yeah, Jim, that Miguel Cabrera trade, Cameron Mabin, Andrew Miller uh, traded from the Tigers to the Marlins along with Dallas Trahern. Burke Badenhop, Frankie De La Cruz, and Mike Rabello for Miguel Cabrera and Dontrell Willis back in December of 2007. And I think have the Marlins outside of the pandemic expanded playoff year. I don't think the Marlins have been back to the playoffs since then, have they? Is that right? What one was there? One? Uh, I think it. Was, I, I think it was just the pandemic year, which was you know an unusual year. Yep. And the and you know you look at Babe Ruth and the Red Sox kind of went in the tank for you know, 15 years after that, like it's kind of ominous if you're the Nationals. Okay. So what could the Nationals, what kind of package are we looking at here? Uh, obviously we won't, we won't know until we know, uh, but there's a lot of speculation out there. There have been plenty of stories written uh, pr- proposing potential prospect packages. Uh, we had a story on, on MLB.com where a handful of reporters put together packages for Seven different teams. Um, let's let's go through here and see what you think about these proposed packages. 
Uh, first, we'll just go in order uh, of the teams that were listed as they were listed in this story. This is not by necessarily the favorite. Um, we also had a story where uh, 17 front office executives were polled and asked which clubs they thought were the front runners to land Soto. And in that poll, um, the leading responses were the Dodgers and the Padres. But we're going to start here with the Mets. Uh, and I think the premise is, I believe we're all operating under this concept that we believe the Nationals want four or five top young players, be they prospects or major leaguers with low service time, right? Like it's, it's going to yep. take, that, that seems to be what everybody thinks it's going to take. Right. So the proposed uh, Mets package, which was put together by uh, Pat James, has the Nationals getting lefty David Peterson and then top-ranked prospects, catcher Francisco Alvarez, baseball's number two overall prospect, another top 20 overall prospect, number 20, Brett Beatty, third baseman outfielder, then shortstop Ronnie Mauricio, number 52 overall, and then number 87 overall, Alex Ramirez. Jim, four of the top 100 prospects in baseball. That sounds pretty tasty. This one, you know, we haven't got to the other ones yet, but a little light on young big leaguers, but several of these guys are just about big league ready, or at least a couple of them. Yeah, well, I'm going to say in general, like I'm going to look at this as if I don't have to trade Juan Soto right now if I'm the Nationals. It's probably easier for teams to maneuver in the offseason, so I'm not going to just jump at a trade. I'm playing Mike Rizzo here, I guess. Another Chicago guy. Um, I, I'm not going to just say I have to trade him. Something to do. So I, I, I don't like this trade. I, I, w- I would say no. I don't. I'm not the biggest David Peterson fan in the world. He's having a good year. I'll give you that. I know they're on our top 100 list. I'm not as bullish on Ronnie Mauricio and Alex Ramirez as maybe others are. It's not a bad package. It is four top 100 guys. It is a pitcher who's pitching well. But to me. The two guys, I want to be excited. I know I'm not going to get five Hall of Famers in the deal. I want to be excited about more than two guys in the trade. I'm excited about Alvarez. I'm excited about Britt Beatty. I'm not excited about the rest of it. And I don't want to trade him to New York Mets and have him stomp me for the next 15 years in the NL East. So I am declining this trade. And and I, I looked at the Mets farm system. I, you know, that, that's their four best prospects, not counting guys in the draft. I, I, I'm not trading him to the Mets. It's not going to happen. So I say no. All right. No to that one. Uh, let's move on to the other New York team, the Yankees. Uh, this trade proposal has uh, a couple of big leaguers, Gleyber Torres and lefty Nestor Cortez. And then MLB's number eight overall prospect in Anthony Volpe, number 39, Jason Dominguez, and then number 72, left-hander Ken Waldachuk. So maybe a little, a little heavier on pitching here and a little heavier on guys already in the big leagues. Uh, where how, how, do you, how do you compare this one to the Mets package? I, I like this one more. Um, I'd have to I, – I haven't don't have contracts in my – it feels like Glaber Torres is going to start to be arbitration eligible if he's not already. It might start to get expensive. I, I see this like we, we, we can work with something here. I, I like the prospect package I'm getting. You know, if I'm rebuilding, maybe you just give me Oswald Peraza, who, who's also in the top 40 of our top 100, another shortstop, instead of Glaber Torres. I save some money there. You know, Nestor Cortez, I mean, Cortez, all-star year, having a good year. 
you know, I, I think he kind of does it with mirrors a little bit, even though he's having a great year. So maybe I'd want the big leaguer to be a little bit better, but like we, we, we could, they have other prospects too. Like I, like this is promising. I'm, I'm returning Brian Cashman's call and we're going to, we're, we're, we're going to have a long discussion about, I, I wouldn't do this exact trade, but I think there's a genesis of something there. And you, you would prefer the minor leaguer, the prospect over Torres in this situation. Just because, for, I, for like, I, again, I have to look here. Uh, future cost. I've not done my homework. Yeah, Glaber Torres is arbitration eligible. He's going to be a free agent in a couple of years. So he might not be around when I'm when, when the Nationals are good again. So I might rather get Oswald Peraza, who's got no service time, and my future double play combination will be Volpe at second base and Peraza at short. And I, I don't want to pick Glaber Torres' salary. But that's promising. I, that, that one is promising. All right. Uh, that package was put together by Jason Catania. Okay, let's move on to the Dodgers. Uh, according to the 17 front office executives who were pulled, uh, one of the leading contenders to actually land Soto. Uh, this package, the Nationals would get Dustin May, Bobby Miller, Andy Paez, Miguel Vargas, James Outman. So that's the Miller is the number 26 overall prospect in baseball. Pajes, number 47. Vargas, number 70. And Outman is the Dodgers' number 17 prospect. And actually, in this one, uh, this has Soto, Patrick Corbin, and Cash going to the Dodgers. Your thoughts on this one, Jim? Yeah, and, and here's the, like I To me, the Dodgers are the favorite because I don't think any team has a better combination of money, big league talent, and minor league talent than the Dodgers. And if I had to pick who I think will swing a deal for him, if they're interested, it would be the Dodgers. It's funny. Like James Altman is like a personal favorite of mine. Um, loved watching him in the fall league too. And I do our Dodgers list. So I don't mind getting James Altman thrown in there, but here's what I'm, I'm telling uh, Andrew Friedman and company that I want. If I'm Mike Rizzo, the, the Dustin May thing's intriguing. He's coming back. Okay. I want Gavin Lux in this deal. And they, they've got a ton of talent. They can afford to trade me Gavin Lux. So I want, I want, I want, I'll take Dustin May. I want Gavin Lux. I also want Diego Cartaya, who's a high ranked prospect. They have Will Smith at catcher. So you can give me Diego Cartaya if you want Juan Soto, who, who they probably could resign to a long term deal. And then I'll take, you know, Bobby Miller and Andy Pahays or Bobby Miller and Miguel Vargas. We could take two of those other guys, but give me May. Lux, Diego Cartaya, and a couple more of these guys, and I'll do that deal right now. Like I won't even call anybody. We can do the deal right now. I, I think the Dodgers are the favorite. You're pressing for for Cartaya, even though you have Ruiz. Yeah, I already got Cabo Ruiz. You, like that's fine. I can always trip. But yeah, I, I want Cartaya in the deal because you have Will Smith. You can give him up, and I want Gavin Lux. You can give me Gavin Lux if you're not giving me Michael Bush. Michael Bush can be your second baseman going forward. But like, th- there's enough names here. You know, and like if they insist on not giving me. Cartaya, then okay, then maybe you give me Miller, Bush, and Pahays, or Miller, Pahays, and Vargas. Like, they have enough elements that we can work this out. Like, I, th- this one intrigues me the most, but I also think I can get the Dodgers to pay more. All right. That package uh, was put together by Andrew Hollywood Simon. Uh, this next one, Padres would be sending to the Nats shortstop C.J. Abrams, lefty Mackenzie Gore, lefty Adrian Morhong. Uh, outfielder Robert Hassel III, MLB's number 23 overall prospect, and then the Padres' number eight prospect, Joshua Mears. How does this one 
look to you, Jim. I mean, they're they're they've they've lured you with with gore here for sure. Yeah, I mean, this is an interesting one too. Again, <laughs> I always want more. Appears to be the theme of, of this, and and with the Padres, they've made so many trades. Their their system isn't as deep as it used to be. Um, I'd rather I want James Wood instead of Joshua Mears. You got to give me James Wood, who's one of the better athletes in last year's draft, and is off to a promising start uh, with his bat. Um, I might want to upgrade Morhone a little bit, but you know, well, you know me, Jason. If you're giving me Mackenzie Gore, you already got me interested. But uh, you know, Abrams, Gore, Hassel, James Wood, and maybe we can upgrade Adrian Morhone and 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 get a little bit better player. Like again, I think. I think you've got the foundation of of something that can happen there. I, I'd be very interested in that in that in that trade as well. And I could see, I mean, <laughs> AJ Preller isn't afraid to roll the dice. Like I, I could see AJ Preller trading five or six players to get Juan Soto. He he's not going to be afraid to do that. Um, so so I, I you know I'll play along. I, I'd be happy to to, to 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 engage in conversation again. I want to tweak this a little bit, but it, it's a good foundation. All right, that trade proposal was put together by MLB.com's David Adler. And now here is one from Sarah Langs, who put it together for her hometown Giants. She says the Nationals in this deal would be getting right-hander Logan Webb, shortstop Marco Luciano, who is MLB's number nine prospect, lefty Kyle Harrison, who's number 25 overall, uh, Giants outfield prospect Luis Matos, who's number 65 among baseball's top prospects, and... Former top 100 prospect, Giants number five prospect, Helio Ramos. Jim, we were, we were chatting a little bit before we started, and you, at the time, initially liked this one. Now that you've had a chance to, to uh, see some of the others, what do you think? Yeah, I do. I, I, I feel like I'm more confident, like, the Dodgers are really going to give me what I want. But what I, what I like, what Sarah did here, that I think more than the other teams did, is she gave up a big leaguer who's going to hurt. You know, Logan Webb is really good, and he's really young. Um, and that could be my my guy I build my pitching staff around in Washington. So I really like the Webb, Luciano, Harrison component of it. You know, we've talked about this maybe more in Slack than in the podcast, but Luis Matos has had a really bewildering year. I, I thought he I thought he was going to shoot up our top 100, and instead he's having a terrible year. Um, so I want to feel a little bit better about that. Um, you know, Elliot Ramos. I'm not the hugest Elliot Ramos fan. There might be somebody else I, I might want in the system, but I do like the, the start of, of giving me Webb. Marco Luciano is going to hit a ton of home runs, and Kyle Harrison is the best left-handed pitching prospect in baseball. I'll be calling back the Giants. I'll be calling back Farhan and and trying to see what else we can do here. But that that that, that top three that might be the best top three we've heard in any of these proposals. Do you feel like you'd be? buying a little bit low on, on Luciano and uh, Matos here as Matos, as you said, had the, has had the bewildering year and Luciano a little bit of a disappointing year last year dropped off a bit in our rankings. Yeah. But Luciano's so young and he was playing a high level. Luciano was fine in single A. Yeah. I mean with Matos, I, I guess I'd be conferring with my scouting department, which we haven't had the chance to do with pipeline because we've been so immersed in the draft to figure out like what is going on here and try to figure that out. Um, but but that that top three that that's the best top three and I do like Matos so that, that that's a promising package. All right, here's a big one from the Mariners to the Nationals: right-hander George Kirby, outfielder Jared Kelnick, 
shortstop Noel V. Marte, who is MLB's number 19 prospect, catcher Harry Ford, who is number 68, right-hander Emerson Hancock, who is the Mariners' number five prospect, just saw him in the Futures game, and lefty Juan Pinto, who is uh, number 26 on the Mariners' top 30 list. What do you think about this one? Well, see, it's interesting. It's like the people knew I was going to be reviewing these. You know, I'm getting Mackenzie Gore in the Potters deal. I'm getting my Georgia guy, Emerson Hancock, in this deal. I, 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 here's the thing. I can't I, – I like this. I just don't know what to make of Jared Kelnick, and, and that scares me, and, and that would preclude me from pulling the trigger on this one. Now, <laughs> you know if the Mariners are calling Mike Rizzo, the first guy he's asking about is Julio Rodriguez. And maybe they say no, but since I like the way I would play this one, if I get this call from Jerry Depoto, and, and I'm Mike Rizzo, and these are all trades, these are all like scenarios that are being discussed with me, I, I just tell them there's other packages I like more, and we're going to have to talk about Julio Rodriguez, and maybe that's a deal breaker, but that, that that's fine. I'll, I'll go make my deal with you know one of the other deals I said I liked. Um, but Kelnick, Kelnick just scares me, Jason. I mean, would you feel comfortable trading Juan Soto right now and the second best guy you get back in the deal? Might be Jared Kelnick. Yeah, that's tough, huh? I mean, I just couldn't do that right now. A year ago, yeah, you, you'd feel a lot differently. Yeah, yeah. I maybe I'd want to win Arroyo in that package, but I, I like the other parts of it. But the Kelnick part kind of scares me. That's the. Uh, I think that's the first one who's that's included three pitchers. Well, would you? Would you, if you were Jerry Depoto, would you give up Julio Rodriguez to get Juan Soto? <laughs> oh man, that's tough. I don't uh, think I could. I, I think that's yeah, one yeah, way. I mean, I, yeah, I don't think you can. I just don't think you can do that. I, I think because you get attached to the players in your organization, and Julio is so good and so just lovable as a person besides a prospect that I, I just don't see that the that the Mariners could do that. But if I'm Mike Rizzo, I'm, I'm asking for him. All right, that package was put together by Nick Aguilera. We have one more, the Rays. This package was put together by Brian Murphy. Juan Soto for Randy Arozarena, Josh Lowe, Right-hander Taj Bradley, MLB's number 33 overall prospect. Corner infielder Curtis Mead, MLB's number 60 prospect. And righty Seth Johnson, who is number six on the Rays list. Jim, I know that uh, I, I would say that the general public, the average fan, certainly some specific people we know were higher on a Rosarina than you might have been. Uh, and I'm going to guess that would affect the way you view this package. Yeah, I mean, the, the problem with this one, this one I'm not really interested in. I, I like the prospects I'm getting in the deal. You're getting a lot of their best prospects. You could probably get them to give up more. The Rays have promoted a lot of guys in the big leagues. So their system is not you know, the clear number one in baseball that it was for a few years. But to me, Araz Arena is a good big leaguer, but I don't think he's a guy I'm building my team around. Josh Lowe has yet to prove he can really you know, produce at the major league level, and he's not super young either. So... I don't like this one. I mean, they're not going to give me Wander Franco, who they've signed to a long-term deal. But I, I just don't see, uh, like, especially if I want some major league talent. Like, you know, Luis Patino's hurt. I mean, they're not going to give me Shane McClanahan. I, I just don't think it's going to match up well with the Rays. So I'm not. I'm like, I, I tell the Rays, thanks, but you know, Eric Neander. I'm. I, I got other deals that I like a lot more than this one. I, I just don't see this one happening. All right. So. We're anxiously waiting to see how this pans out uh, if Juan Soto gets traded and if so, to whom and for whom. Uh, and we will, of course, if that happens, be busy shuffling around prospects from team to team, getting them 
placed on the on the new teams list. So we talked about seven teams there. Uh, there are other teams, not necessarily uh, from what we've heard, engaged in the Juan Soto sweepstakes, but there are other teams that have prospects to trade, and, and they're contenders, and they have enough prospects that they could make a big splash. And I, I guess some of, some of these teams even have been uh, mentioned in the Juan Soto sweepstakes, but not in that particular article that we just went through. Um, Jonathan Mayo has a te- uh, story up right now on MLB.com slash pipeline looking at teams that have the prospects to make a blockbuster deal at the deadline. Um, Jim, you want to touch on some of these teams? Yeah, we, I don't think we need to go through all of them. We, we did deal with a lot of them in that one Soto discussion. I, I will reiterate, I just think, I think the Dodgers are in the best position to get whoever they want because they can sign Juan Soto to whatever kind of contract or whoever they get. They can afford major league salaries. They're loaded in the big leagues. They're loaded in the minor leagues. They have more talent. They know what to do with. So they're the one that stands out. Like, and another one who kind of jumps out at me are the guardians. And I said, guardians, not Indians. So I don't have to get fined. And and I, I talk about their depth, but they just, the guardians have so much depth in terms of guys with bat to ball skills, particularly infielders. And, they do a great job of getting polished pitchers and helping them improve their stuff. So they have plenty of pitching depth too. And, you know, they're contending. Obviously, they're a team that doesn't spend a lot on payroll and relies on, on developing. But they do have so much depth. I mean, from the pitching side, they're not going to trade Daniel Espino. But you have Daniel Espino, Gavin Williams, Logan Allen. They just added more pitching in the draft. You know, Just from infielders, you got Gabriel Arias, Brian Riquillo, Tyler Freeman, Jose Tena, Angel Martinez. You know, Tanner Burns was another p- pitcher I didn't mention. Jackenzie Noel has crazy power. We saw him in, in BP at the Futures game. Bo Naylor's bounced back at catcher. Um, I'm leaving other guys out. I mean, it's just a very deep system. And I think that while they're not necessarily like, – I don't see them getting Juan Soto because of the, the financial cost. But I think the, the Guardians could be the team that goes out. And, and they've done a nice job of trading for players in the past too, making some sneaky trades because they have depth. And they could give up – they could have a trade where they give up three or four prospects – and still have a deep farm system. So they're kind of kind of one that, that that jumps out at me as as maybe a sneaky team and you know the Twins are interesting like the Twins have had guys emerge like your Spencer Steers and your Matt Walners who are getting close to big league ready, you know in addition to you know they had, you know they have you know so Simeon Woods Richardson has bounced back, you know they they've drafted well. I mean the interesting thing would be like if you wanted to go all in on a trade you know, Royce Lewis is hurt again, but like maybe somebody's interested in Royce Lewis. So like the other one where I think the twins can make some really interesting trades, even if they don't have a top, top, top ranked, uh, you know, uh, farm system, but it, it's a good farm system and they have guys who have taken steps forward this year. Jim, I think the one team uh, in this story uh, of Jonathan's that was that we did not talk about in the Juan Soto sweepstakes, but ha- the team has been mentioned as uh, being a contender to land Soto uh, is the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, as Jonathan mentions, eight of the Cardinals' top ten are in Double A AA or higher. There's some pitching depth. Jordan Walker, Ivan Herrera, Mason Wynn are the top three hitters. Do you see the Cardinals parting with some of these prospects to make a run in the? You know, 
It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Yeah, I mean, it depends on, on who they're getting back. I mean, you know, they've got some, you know, you know, would they trade Matthew Libertor or Gordon Graceffo in the right deal? You know, Michael McGreevy and Tink Hans are two pitchers who are high picks in recent years who stepped up. Um, Alec Burleson's a hitter who, who's made a big jump this season, or or not necessarily a big jump, but I think become more visible as a as a top prospect. And the Cardinals just seem to quietly you know, draft and add international players every year and, and get better. So I, it wouldn't surprise me. I could see that. I mean, you know, look, when they traded for Nolan Arenado, it was kind of Nolan Arenado must go and they weren't paying full sticker price. But I, I think they're a team that, that could engage, you know, like, like you mentioned for Juan Soto. Like it would be interesting. Like to me, Jordan Walker can play the outfield. But right now Jordan Walker's a third baseman. You have Nolan Arenado. So, you know, I don't think they would trade him in just any trade, but in a Juan Soto trade, Maybe they give up Jordan Walker in that trade. You know, Matthew Libertor yeah, hasn't. It's not broken. just any trade. Yeah, I know. And, and Matthew Libertor hasn't broken through to the big leagues yet, but I, I still like Matthew Libertor. And like, you know, you, you know, again, if you know, even if you're not making a blockbuster, maybe you're not trading those guys, but they have a bunch of guys who are in the upper levels of the system. So if you're doing a less of a blockbuster, you, you have plenty of ammunition. So I would expect them to be active. And I'm, I'm still, <laughs> I still keep waiting, Jason, as we're recording for one of us to realize, oh, Juan Soto just got traded to the Yankees for six players, like like or, or like three trades to happen that we have to go address as soon as we get off the podcast. But I think we are still good so far. Yeah, I'd, I'd put about 50-50 on, uh, on a big trade happening by the time we finish this podcast. All right, so that's a lot of trade deadline talk. We also want to talk about the draft signing deadline. We'll do that after we take this break. That's coming up next on the MLB Pipeline podcast. Welcome back to the MLB Podcast. I'm Jason Ratliff here with Jim Callis. Uh, we talked quite a bit about the trade deadline and some potential looming deals and prospects who could be traded. That's one deadline. That deadline is, uh, by the way, is August 2nd at, what is that one, Jim? 6 p.m. And the signing deadline for the draft is Monday the 1st at 5 p.m., I believe. I'm on the same page with you. I, I believe what you believe. So <laughs> back, back to back. The, the times maybe I'm, I, I may have flip flopped the times. No, no five, I think you're right because I've written story. I wrote the intro for our 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 one fet, the one for each team in pipeline parlance, tradable prospects. Yep. And I cited 6 p.m. So I think that I there think I think we're correct. Draft signing deadline Monday, August 1st, 5 p.m. Eastern. Trade deadline Tuesday, August 2nd, 6 p.m. Eastern. There we go. So. Speaking of draft signings, there have been uh, they've been coming in a flurry. Jim, you've been extremely busy getting the information out there. The top three have agreed some uh, a couple of very big numbers, and then one outlier there with Rocker signing for five point two million, but Holiday uh, getting eight point one nine million, and Jones eight point one eight nine, basically one point one nine as well. These those are the 
highest high school bonuses we've seen. Is that right? That's right. And they're, they're the second and third highest bonuses in draft history um, to this point, behind only Spencer Torkelson, who got a little over $8.4 million back in the pandemic draft of 2020. Adley Rutschman had been second at $8.1 million. The highest high school bonus was Bobby Witt Jr. in 2019, who was a shade under $7.8 million. So yeah, those, those are records. Not not really surprising. We knew Jones was going to get full slot probably from the Diamondbacks who really wanted him. And I'm not surprised that, you know, Jackson Hall, they got a shade more just so he could have a shade more. And then, you know, the interesting one is, is Kumar. Ra- and so Holiday had, I don't think is officially signed. Drew Jones is officially signed and Kumar Rocker officially signed today. And we've, we talked on last week's podcast about how shocked we were with Kumar Rocker and Rocker signed for five point. $2 million, which is considerably under the slot, which I want to say is 7.6. Yes, a little under, like he, he's about $2.4 million under slot. And then the Rangers did not pick again until the fourth round, and they were able to float Brock Porter, who we had ranked as the best pitcher, the best healthy pitcher in the draft, 11th on the MLB pipeline, top 250, all the way down to pick 109 in the fourth round, which was their next pick. And I believe he'll sign tomorrow for somewhere between like three and a half and four million dollars. So the 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 Brock, the Kumar Rocker signing, it was kind of a, a package deal there with, with Rocker and Porter, where Kumar signing for so far under slot will do the bulk of the heavy lifting for them to allow them to pay Brock Porter three plus million over slot in the fourth round. Jim, putting you on the spot here, can you think of a time? Uh, that a top three overall pick has taken as big of a, of a, a discount as that? <sighs> you put I, me on I the can spot. Tell you, I, I can I, tell you that looking back, uh, going back to 2017, which I have easy access here to uh, signing bonuses, the, there hasn't been one uh, under $5.2 million in that time frame. Uh, Heston Kerstad, number two overall pick in 2020, signed for... Five point two million. Yeah, I, I guess Kirstead would be, and that was a, a similar deal where they were getting him to sign for less money, so they could pay other guys more money later. So, so thankfully you answered your own question because I I did not have all the data in front of me. My I feel like my memory is is no longer as strong as it used to be. Unfortunately. Yeah, I didn't know if maybe there was one uh, stretching back a little a little further that you that you remembered as being notable. Um, some other first rounders. Uh, with some big numbers here. Cam Callier signs for $5 million. Dylan Lesko, 3.9. Brandon Barrera, uh, 3.6 million. Um, any, any, are those particular, particularly uh, noteworthy to you? Yeah. I mean, Cam Collier was interesting because we'd heard some talk. He might slip a little bit after hearing he could go as high as fourth to the pirates. And I was really surprised he went as late as 18th to the reds. But he still got paid, you know, a five million dollar bonus, which is equivalent. It's it's a hair above what the slot would have been at number ten. So, um, good get for the Reds. I think that's nice talent value. And 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 you know, Cam got still paid according to what he should have been. So that was interesting. You know, Dylan Lesko signed for three point nine million dollars at fifteen, which I believe is the highest a high school pitcher coming off Tommy John surgery. That that's the highest bonus they've ever gotten, and maybe the second highest Tommy John bonus behind Cal Quantrill a few years back. 
Um, and, and I knew Lesko was going to sign, especially when he went 15th. But, you know, I was curious what the number was going to be. And that – I'll be very curious when we were just talking about Brock Porter. Is Brock Porter going to get more than Dylan Lesko? Or is Dylan Lesko going to get more than Brock Porter? That, and and Lesko is a guy who, you know, his bonus was a shade under slot at 15, who would have been the first pitcher taken probably had he not been hurt. Um, and then, you know, the, the third one in there, Brandon Barriera, you know, was a guy we thought was going to maybe go in the 11 to 15 range, and he floated all the way down to 23, but he got $3.6 million, which was about 500, a little over $500,000 over slot at 23. So the Blue Jays being aggressive, getting a guy to push down to him. Uh, you know, I mean, that's, he got more at 23 than the angels paid, you know, Zach Neto at, at 13. Um, which again, I mean, I think that was a good deal for Neto because he locked in. He, I don't think he would have gotten more than 3.5 million if he'd gone later in the draft, but it, th- those were, I think outside of the guys who went the very top of the draft t- to date, the most interesting first round signings or most notable first round signings. All right. And how about some guys outside of the first round. Yeah. You know, it, 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 it's, it's, you know, it's the drafts flying by and, you know, after the first round, it's like basically pick a minute for the end of the first day and throughout the second day. So you're, you're kind of seeing who gets picked where and, and trying to keep track of it, but it's, it, it's fast and furious. And you know, again, I, anybody who goes in the first 10 rounds, I assume is going to sign or they wouldn't be picked in the first 10 rounds. Like there's usually one or two guys, maybe tops who don't sign, you know, barring injuries. Um, but so anyway, like Robbie Snelling was another guy we heard had first round interest, but the high school pitchers often get floated down and paid. And that's what happened with Robbie Snelling. You know, we, we talked about the Padres giving 3.9 million to Lesko. Well, Robbie Snelling was the last pick of the supplemental first round at 39 and that's a 2 million slot and he got 3 million. So that was a, you know, notable signing, you know, nice job by the Padres to get him down to them. And then when you get into the second round, we had a signing yesterday, Henry Bolte, the A's, who had gotten some sandwich round interest, uh, but wound up going toward the back half of the second round. He got $2 million. It was about 50% over slot at pick 56. He had one of the more interesting high school power speed combinations in the draft. So that was kind of a, an interesting one to me. And then I remember even kind of sitting up a little straighter as we were finishing day one of the draft. And, you know, there were 80 picks on day one. And the 77th pick was Tucker Toman. And I was like, whoa, like, I guess that means he's going to be signable here. But like, I was surprised. I thought Tucker Toman, I really thought Tucker Toman was going to go 23 to the Blue Jays, who wound up getting him at 77, or 26 to the White Sox. And, you know, Tucker Toman won the better high school bats in the draft, switch hitter. Um, he got 2 million, which was more than double slot at 77. So I, I think the Blue Jays have to be really excited. I mean, they draft other players as well, but you get Brandon Barriera at, at 23 who wasn't supposed to necessarily get to 23 on talent. And then you get Tucker Toman, who they might've taken at 23 with the 77th pick and signed him for $2 million. That's a nice work by the Blue Jays. All right. And then I I think, am I right in saying that we had a, that you reported a a record late round signing? I did. The, um, the angels who set a, a record for post 10th round signing in the, in the draft pool era with Mason Albright last year, who got, I want to say 1.25 million, if I remember correctly, came back and got Caden Dana for 1.5 million in the 11th round. Um, and, it, it, you know, that, 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 it's always interesting to me because, like, I knew Caden Dana was talented. I didn't know the Angels were going to give him <laughs> 1.5 million. So it's like, whoa, like, that's pretty, uh, that, that, that's pretty exciting stuff. Uh, at least I, I get all excited by the draft numbers, probably more than probably more than anybody, but uh, yeah, he's a uh, you know, New Jersey high school pitcher. 
uh, can hit mid nineties with his fastball. He can show you a, um, a, uh, a power breaking ball. He was a Kentucky recruit. Um, so like, I, I, I like the angels draft strategy of, of going big on somebody after the 10th round and moving some money around and, and doing that. So, uh, yeah, kudos to them for, for making that pay off. And then the other one that kind of caught me by surprise a little bit was the Braves in the seventh round with Adam Mayer, uh, who's a college pitcher and they paid him 1.2 million in the seventh round, which I, I'll admit, I did not see coming, um, at all. He, you know, didn't pitch much in college because of the pandemic when he was at the University of British Columbia. He had an elbow injury this year. He was up to 97 with a nasty slider uh, before um, before he hurt his elbow. And, you know, again, when they took him, I figured, okay, that's going to be an overpay. But I figured, honestly, maybe that's going to be like 500000 You know, he's hurt. And he got $1.2 million, which is a, a record for the seventh round. And now, now I'm going to, I'm going to test you here, Jason. I, I know you can't answer these questions, but I'm going to ask you these, I'll give you, give you a quick quiz anyway. Um, right. and, uh, we'll see if you can come through here. Uh, they did. So, so Kane Dana set a record for the 11th round and Adam Mayer set a record for the seventh round. Can you possibly name who held the bonus records for those rounds? Absolutely not. But I bet you can tell us. I will tell you. Brett Hunter from the Athletics in 2008 got $1.1 million. And Chris Hughesby, who was a high school pitcher in 2006, got $1.3 million in the 11th round from the Cubs. So those were the, the records for those rounds. And I still don't know. There you go. Just based on those names. Yeah. It's, uh, those didn't pan out too well. Not exactly. Okay. So uh, last year... I think when we got within a couple days of the signing deadline, there were, I want to say, seven players who had not signed when we got within two to three days of the deadline. Ended up, obviously, with Kumar Rocker not signing. That was the first time in three years a first-rounder had not come to terms with the team that picked him. Do you see, is there any potential for something like that happening again this year with anyone? I have not heard of that. Like, uh, there's no rumblings that there's like a physical or something going on. Although, it, it feels like it's a more compressed time this year. Like, we're still, we were. I, I don't think we'd finished day three of the draft. Exact, you know, seven days ago. Like, we were like exactly seven days ago. We were in the middle of of eleven through twenty, right? Rounds eleven through twenty. So yep. they've been coming fast and furious, and I think. Like I think Friday the smoke will clear a little bit. Like we'll have the vast majority of the signings in, and then we'll be able to zero in on, hey, like why isn't this guy signed yet? But I, I've asked a little bit, and nobody's heard any rumblings of, oh, here's a potential problem. Like you know, again, I, I would assume anybody taken in the top ten rounds, almost like should be signable, or the teams wouldn't have taken them if they didn't think they could happen. Like you, you always ask me, I always put the over under. You know, and, and fit, you know, guys feeling physicals can happen, but the over under on guys I expect to not sign in the top ten rounds is like one and a half, um, unless we have a rash of of guys failing physicals. And last year we had what three from the top ten rounds that did not sign. Well, definitely Kumar Rocker. You had Alex Aloa of the Astros, and who else am I forgetting? 
was it Fabian? Oh yeah, Judd Fabian. Yes, yes, Judd Fabian, who who just signed with the Orioles, who were hoping to draft him him last year. But yeah, it's and in and, and that was interesting because so you had a failed physical on Rocker, you had just didn't see eye to eye in negotiations for uh, for Fabian, and then Aloha, I think there was a, a variety of factors involved on him. So yeah, it was those it was those three. Um, you know, back in 2019, because we, we had a shortened draft in 2020, it was just two guys didn't sign in 2019. All right. So the over-under is set at one and a half. A firm one and a half. Okay. We are going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the international draft negotiations and the fact that that is not going to happen during this collective bargaining agreement. We'll talk about that. We'll look ahead to some of the best minor league games on MLB.tv this week and answer a question from the mailbag. That's all coming up next on the MLB Pipeline Podcast. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome back to the MOB Pipeline Podcast. Jason Ratliff, Jim Callis here. Uh, we've talked deadlines, trade deadline and signing deadline. There was another deadline. Uh, we're recording this on Tuesday. Uh, yesterday was the deadline for MLB and the MLBPA, uh, Players Association, to reach an agreement on an international draft. If they reached an agreement to install an international draft that would do away with the uh, qualifying offer system and free agency, uh, those two things were tied together. They were not able to come to an agreement. The uh, Players Association rejected MLB's final proposal. Uh, so the qualifying offer system remains. Um, Jim, the ramifications of this? Well, I was wrong about part of it because, as you noted before, I thought <laughs> we would have a flurry of trades once the deadline passed and there was a resolution one way or the other. That hasn't happened. But I... You know, I still think we're going to have an international draft at some point in the in the near future. I'm not saying necessarily it's going to get resolved before this offseason, but both sides have something the other side wants. MLB would really like to have an international draft, and the union would really like to do away with free agent compensation from the teams that sign big-ticket free agents. Um, and I think it'll happen. I mean, the issues at hand are basically – you know, they've got it, you know, they're apart on some of the money issues, like exactly how much money is going to go into the international draft, whether the slots are automatic payments or they're merely floors and you could pay more. What's the cost of a non-drafted free agent? They're still figuring those things out and some other issues uh, as well. Um, so, you know, that said, I think at some point they will resolve those issues. They will make this trade of international draft for, uh, in exchange for no free agent compensation, but you know who knows exactly when. I, I don't know that, but I but I I just think 
MLB wants this enough and there's enough things that the players want that you can, you can, you can work this out at some point. And like, maybe it happens this off season once we get through the season and things settle down and they figure it out. Like, and I want to say, Jason, I don't know if you've seen this. I want to say, I think MLB was looking for an international draft that would start in 2024 and the union, I think was saying, well, we could do something in the fall of 2023, but like this doesn't even endanger if, if 2024 is the right date, and I'm remembering that correctly, this doesn't endanger that at all. That is correct. MLB's proposal called for a 20 round, 600 selection draft to begin in 2024. There's a uh, story on MLB.com by Anthony Castrovents, which um, details these negotiations and some of the ramifications. Another another thing, uh, as a result, the prospect promotion incentive program uh, goes away as a result of this decision, uh, had this draft been instituted, clubs had the potential to receive extra international draft selections if top prospects rostered on opening day went on to finish second or third in the Rookie of the Year voting or fifth, uh, fourth or fifth in the MVP or Cy Young voting with no international draft, only one domestic draft award uh, is given to teams whose promoted prospects win Rookie of the Year or finish in the top three of the Cy Young or MVP voting. Uh, that remains, uh, so that decreasing the incentive for teams to put top prospects on opening day rosters. All right, uh, want to take a quick look at this week's MILB on MLB.tv slate. Uh, we have, as always, a nice host of games, uh, and as we have had a few times recently, We've got a game uh, with a rehabbing Major League star pitcher, and that is Jacob deGrom. Uh, That one is on Wednesday. We've actually got a doubleheader on Wednesday uh, with Omaha at Syracuse, deGrom on the mound, Francisco Alvarez behind the plate. Um, That's a 12.05 Eastern start time on Wednesday. And then that night, we got Frisco at Springfield, Jim, you talked a little bit about uh, Cardinals prospects who could potentially be moved. There, a uh, few names uh, mentioned: Jordan Walker, Mason Wynn, Gordon Graceffo. All in this game uh, with Graceffo starting on the mound, uh, facing this Frisco team that has three top 100 prospects itself: Jack Leiter, Justin Foscue, and Owen White. Do not believe Leiter or White are starting that game, uh, but Foscue, a day-to-day player there. Uh, Kind of skipped ahead to first game on the docket Tuesday. Uh, pits the Yankees and Nationals AAA team. So that's an interesting one with, uh, you know, heavily rumored Juan Soto deal potentially with the Yankees. And uh, Jim, when we looked at the proposed package earlier, uh, we talked about Oswald Peraza and Ken Waldacek, both of whom uh, are on this Scranton Wilkes-Barre team. And uh, Waldacek will be on the mound for that one. Uh, and then Thursday's game, we have a Mets-Yankees duel, a high-A matchup between Brooklyn and Hudson Valley. Alex Ramirez, uh, top 100 prospect on the Mets side. And, of course, Jason Dominguez on uh, the Hudson Valley team was recently promoted to high-A, so that's a fun one to watch. And then on Saturday, we're going to get another look at Yuri Perez, which, Jim, I know will excite you as Mississippi faces Pensacola at the AA level. So that is... This week's MILB on MLB.tv schedule. 
and you usually ask me to pick a game, Jason, and like yeah. you didn't, and I don't know if you read my mind. I could not pick one because even the games that don't have the volume of prospects, like there, there's a nice volume of prospects on these games. I can watch Jason Dominguez. I can watch Yuri Perez. Like All these games are winners. I pronounce all five of these games must-see TV. Wow. The stamp of approval from Jim Callis. All five. Five for five. All right. Let's dig into the mailbag here. We have a question from at Jopo12191, O's Ravens Wiz. And his avatar is, is Jackson Holiday, by the way. Very nice. Uh, asks, if Tamar Johnson is really the best hitter you've seen in decades, why wasn't he even close to a consensus 1-1 pick? Does the defense bring his value down that much? Yeah, and you know, so I don't know if I said he was the best hitter I've seen in decades. I said... Scouts scouts consider him the best high school hitter they've seen in maybe decades. Maybe you have to go back to Ken Griffey Jr. to find a high school hitter, the pure hitting ability that they love that much. And, you know, just like I I have to mention anytime, I I actually didn't do this. I'm going to get fined $25,000, Jason, because I mentioned Jason Dominguez without mentioning that everybody likes to compare him to Bo Jackson, the Mickey Mantle, Mike Trout. That's like, you have to do that. That's required. Yes. And with Tamar Johnson, I have to trot out my, my favorite comp from the spring where a scout said he had the combination of... Wade Boggs' plate discipline and Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s uh, plate coverage, which is pretty crazy. Um, but, you know, the thing is, he was in the discussion to go 1-1 legitimately. And I don't know that he would have gone 2, but he was in the discussion. He went, he went for the Pirates. He hasn't signed yet. But like, he was in the discussion to go 1-2-3. and three. So he, he was in those, in those talks. And I just think the reason that the Orioles didn't pick pick him number one or or that he wasn't like the slam dunk one one pick for everybody is that you know i I think the size plays a factor a little bit uh you know you're talking about a guy who i'm looking up so i don't do this wrong we have him listed on our site as five foot ten 175 and i think he's probably not quite five foot ten and maybe a little bit stronger than that and people will say okay you know how much power do you think he's gonna have he's not the biggest guy he's gonna have to play second base and i would have i would not have taken him one one over drew jones or jackson holiday but i certainly would have considered him one one and i just look at to me the guy is such an advanced hitter and if you watch him take bp how easy the ball comes off his bat he's gonna have I think at least 25. I think he's going to be, I'll say 25 home run guy while hitting for high average. And I, I just think he's capable. Yeah. He's probably going to wind up at second base, but he's, he's not a stiff over there. Uh, I, I think he'll be fine at second base. So like maybe average to slightly above average second baseman. And I think what you're looking at is a potential Robinson Cano type production at second base. And if Tamar Johnson's that good, then he'll be, you know, that would be number one pick worthy. I, I just think, you know, we had him ranked fourth on our list, and it, it wasn't so much that I, I think a slight to Tamar is just acknowledging that in this draft you have Drew Jones, who might be a, the newest version of his dad, who's got crazy tools. You've got Jackson Holiday, who's a, a five-tool shortstop, uh, who's, you know, I think Bobby Wood Jr. was a little bit more athletic and had a little bit bigger arm and more speed than Jackson Holiday, but Jackson Holiday was a better hitter than Bobby Wood Jr. at the same stage. And then you got Elijah Green, who has physicality and tools that you just don't see in a typical draft. So it was more – Termar Johnson ranking fourth on our list was more a case of we have this unbelievable collection of high school talent this year. 
know, these guys are all unusual prospects, more so than, oh, we don't think Tamar Johnson is worthy of going 1-1, if that makes sense. And when when you say that he's the best high school hitter you've seen in decades, that's that's more of a, a now thing, right? Like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's the, at the time of the draft, because obviously Mike Trout wound up being pretty good. Um, like, but at the time, nobody was raving that Mike Trout was this unbelievable high school hitter, the type of thing. So, yeah, right, these, it, these other guys, Jones, Green, uh, Holiday, you're looking at more of their ceilings and their their projection. And with Ramar, you're saying as of ne- right now, he's the best high school hitter you've seen in decades. Correct. Correct. That doesn't mean he'll necessarily be the best all around player when all is said and done. But yeah, that's, that, that's where we're going with that. Like whenever you talk about it, it it's kind of, it, I'm glad you asked that question. It, it's, but it's in my mind, I always am thinking it's implied. It's at the time they were drafted because it would be silly to say Termar Johnson is better than Mike Trout. Like I, I will not go that far, even though I like Termar. All right. Thanks to Jopo12191 for that question. And thanks to everybody for listening. That's going to wrap it up for this week's episode of the MLB Pipeline podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. If you're enjoying the show or have any suggestions, leave us a rating and a review. Thanks, everybody. See you next week.